Can Jimmy Garoppolo lead the Las Vegas Raiders to a Super Bowl? We talk about that and so much more coming up next here on this Monday edition of Locked On NFL. You are Locked On NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to another edition of the Locked On NFL Podcast, your daily NFL podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostriker of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. Also the host over at Locked On Ravens. Thank you so much for making Locked On NFL your first listen each and every day. Free and available, all podcasting platforms, including over in video form on YouTube. It's the same show, both in audio form and in video form. Today's episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And we're at training camp. We're finally here at training camp, right? We've waited for so long. Football seems like it happened so long ago, but we're, we're getting closer to the regular season. We have a lot to dive into today. We'll first be talking with your boy Q of Locked On Raiders about who this Las Vegas Raiders team actually is, and if Jimmy Garoppolo can actually lead them to a Super Bowl. Then in the second part of the show, we'll stick with the AFC West, talk with Chris Clark of Locked On Chiefs with the latest on the Chris Jones situation, and also what's going on with Kadarius Tony in the Chiefs wide receiver room. Then finally, I'll be taking you through the Ravens' recent moves, Melvin Gordon, the visit of Kyle Van Noy, and some of the transactions they made injury-wise and what that could mean for them. So Plenty to dive into on Locked On NFL is, of course, we bring you the biggest stories across the league each and every week. And it's two days in a row for me. <laughs> Got me on Friday with Lauren Cox of Locked On Bears. If you haven't checked that episode out, highly recommend and here today on Monday. But without any further ado, let's now get into our conversation with your boy Q of Locked On Raiders. Las Vegas Raiders are, I think, one of the more intriguing teams, just because I don't know I don't know what to think about them right now. We're going to talk about that with your boy Q, the host that love Locked On Raiders. And Q, this is a team that I feel like has a lot of potential, but there are also clear weaknesses still on the roster. And a lot of people are wondering in that loaded AFC West, which I think is going to be a lot better this year, where do the Raiders slot in almost, not only within their vision, but in the entire conference, what should be a very loaded AFC. So let's start off with just what you think the identity is going to be this year, how good you think they can be, and any updates you have on, on Jimmy G right now? Well, I mean, there's, there's a lot of questions, right, when it comes to the, this Raiders team. And it's funny, this is like the first year that I really haven't had a good sense of what I think they're going to be, right? When people ask me, well, Q, what do you think they're going to do this year? I'm like, well, I really don't know, right? I mean, and, and I hate to give that answer to people, but I, I feel like that they could be as bad as like a five-win team. I also think they could be as good as a 10-win team, and that's a huge window. Right. Normally it'd be like, oh, seven to nine, nine to ten, eight to ten, whatever. And that feels reasonable. But five to ten is like all over the place. Like what what the hell are you talking about? Like that's, you know, and so it's just because there's so many questions. So you asked about Jimmy G. Let's start there. You know, we found out on Sunday that he passed his physical. So he's good to go. The veterans report on the 25th uh, practice. The first day of practice is on the 26th. Everything that we had been told was that he was going to be good for the beginning of training camp. Now it sounds like it's official that he really will be, you know, so that's good, but he hasn't had any time on the grass, you know, during OTAs or mandatory minicamp with, uh, you know, his new weapons and his offensive line and the running backs that are there. I mean, he hasn't had any of that time yet. He's only had uh, classroom time, which is, you know, something, but it's not, 
it's not everything. But now, you know, okay, he's out there for the start of training camp. Great. There's always going to be a question of how healthy is he going to be? Is he going to stay healthy throughout the whole course of the season? I mean, I could say, yeah, but he's only done that once in his career. So then I feel like I'm being foolish if I, if I just assume that he's going to be healthy for all 17 games. So that's the big question. I think this Raiders offense could be really good, really explosive, because he's really good in the red zone where the Raiders have struggled the most. But it's it's going to have to have him out there. Like Brian Hoyer is not going to be the guy that's going to get it done. Uh, Aiden O'Connell, the four, fourth round pick out of Purdue, he's not going to get it done. And Chase Garber is an undrafted free agent from Cal a season ago. He's not going to get it done either. So it's basically this offense for the Raiders is going to come and go as uh, Jimmy G does. Right. I know Jimmy G is not like a top five quarterback, but there is a steep drop off between him and Brian Hoyer and the, oh, the yeah. next guys on, yeah. on that roster. It, it is steep. But I'm, I'm going to ask you a question, Q. There are two thresholds. I think one is much higher than the other. Do you think that Jimmy G can be the guy to lead the Raiders, one, to a playoff berth, or two, maybe it's like a dark horse Super Bowl? Like, can, can he lead them to a Super Bowl? Or do you think that's not at his pay grade right now? Well, I, it's not that I don't think that he's capable because we've seen him in the Super Bowl, right? We've yeah. seen him in the Super Bowl with the 49ers. Now they lost to Kansas City, uh, and they had a strong defense and a hell of a run game. But, I mean, he was the quarterback for that team. So, I mean, I could see him being a guy that can play with the Raiders in the Super Bowl. But the Raiders' defense would have to be outstanding, and, you know, everything would have to come together. And, you know, they have a really tough schedule this season. I don't see them as a team like that. Um, I think you got to take baby steps, you know, and that's just me being honest. And since – they consistently have not been in the playoffs. I mean, they went to the playoffs in 2021, and that was kind of lucky, but whatever, you'll take it. And then before that, 2016, and then before that, the Super Bowl that they lost against John Gruden in Tampa Bay. I mean, that was, you know what I mean? Like, that's it. So they this, this team needs to figure out how to get consistently into the playoffs before they start worrying about the Super Bowl. But a healthy Jimmy G, I think, can go a long way. His leadership, his skill set, his knowledge of the offense, you know, but he's going to have to be, you know, helps that team around him is going to have to be good. He's not one of these quarterbacks that's going to just put put the team on his back and just lead them to the Super Bowl. He's going to have to have a complete team effort. So the defense, not just Max Crosby, the defense and, you know, the rest of the team is going to have to step up in a major way as well. Right. Now, I'm excited to ask you about the defense in a couple of questions, but I want to talk about Josh Jacobs a little bit. Obviously, we know what happened at the franchise tag deadline. No long term deal for him. You, you and I have talked throughout the offseason queue and we've both said, you know, Josh Jacobs has earned a long term extension. The year he had last year was incredible. What's kind of the latest on what you've heard with Josh Jacobs and what his situation is heading into training camp, and what it could be heading into the regular season? Everything I've heard is he's going to report probably about a week or two before training camp's over just to get ramped up for the regular season. He's not going to be there on Wednesday when they have the first day of practice. He hasn't signed his franchise tag, so he's not going to get fined. Uh, you know, at some point he's going to sign it and he'll show up and he'll play. There's no way he's going to pass up $10 million now. I mean, something can go different and maybe these running backs that are having these Zoom meetings, maybe all of a sudden they band together and they come up with something creative, but him sacrificing $10 million. We saw how that worked for Le'Veon Bell. It didn't. So I think that Josh Jacobs will definitely do it. Like I said, everything that I've been told, he'll be he'll be there and, and available at that point. And that's what the Raiders are expecting him as well. Um, but he's, he's really good. And, you know, we just talked about, I spent a lot of time talking about Jimmy G needs a strong team around him. Jimmy G needs Josh Jacobs, right? I mean, they have other running backs, Amir White. Uh, they drafted him last year. Britton Brown, they drafted him last year. Brandon Bolden's there. Amir Abdullah's there. But they're not Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs is a different dude. And for Jimmy G, you want to maximize that quarterback, you have to have your dude, your alphas, right? Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs. You have to have those guys. So he needs, Jimmy G needs Josh Jacobs. So I think that, you know, this is going to be another year where J Josh is going to run pissed. 
because he's, you know, he didn't get that long-term deal. Just like he didn't get his fifth year option picked up. He's still young. He's only 25. He's only got four years of wear and tear on his body. So it's not like a lot of these other running backs in the league. So I think that he's in for a big season and I think he's going to run with energy and, and, and edge to him. So, you know, that's a good, I think that can only be a good thing for the Raiders. Yeah, they, they have they do have a lot of pieces over there in the Las Vegas mm-hmm. offense. But on the defense, I know Q, it's a it's a different story in terms of they they need a big year. You talked about yep. Max Crosby, some of the players there. The, apparently, Marcus Peters is coming in for a visit. Former Raven cornerback who's been looking for a new home. It's kind of been teased throughout the offseason that hey, maybe this could be a fit for Marcus Peters. Obviously, an Oakland native, so a little Raider connection here and there. But how much would Peters help at this stage in his career? This Raiders defense. You know, I think it'll help a lot. The Raiders are terrible at creating turnovers. I mean, let's just call it what it is. They had six interceptions last year, right? And wow. two of them were from their safety, Deron Harmon, not on the team right now. Two were from linebacker Denzel Perryman, not on the team. He's in Houston, right? And then, you know, he the, there was two more by Amik Robertson, who's who's on the team and is going to have to fight to make the roster coming out of training camp. They don't create turnovers. They just don't. They, they're terrible at that. And the one thing, as you very well know, that's what Marcus Peters does. And I know that his play has declined a little bit. Obviously, he got the torn ACL, so he missed the one season. But I think he had one interception last year. So, I mean, he's a guy that at least looks for the ball. He's a guy that that his instincts are to go get the ball. And I think that that's going to go a long way. I do believe the Raiders will sign him. This is the second visit that he's had with the team. So I think this was just more of a, you know, dotting the I's and crossing the T's on the contract and calling it a day and fit him for his jersey. I think that's, I mean, I really honestly believe it's it's that cutting and dry. Like, it's a done deal. Um, but I think it'll help. But I also think it's going to help in camp for competition. That'll leave one spot open, really, at that at that uh, outside corner position across from him. Who's going to go get it, right? Is it going to be Nate Hobbs? Is it going to be uh, Jacorian Bennett, who they drafted? Is it going to be Brandon Faison, who they brought back as a free agent? Is it David Long? Is it Duke Shelley? Like, there's a lot of dudes that are going to fight basically for one spot. So I think that that's going to increase what they do in training camp and make them even better because they have to fight and claw and scratch because Marcus Peters is going to hold down one, one position. And look, hopefully he's a lot better coming off, you know, the second year uh, removed from an ACL. Maybe he has a little bit extra spring back in his steps and his legs, and maybe he can help and, and create two or three interceptions for the Raiders and, and, and get him out of the basement when it comes to interceptions. They just don't do it. It's terrible. Huge shout-out to Q as always. Q is great covering the Raiders, and, of course, check out his work on the Locked On Raiders podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team. Every day, coming up in the second part of the show here on Locked On NFL, we'll be talking with Chris Clark of Locked On Chiefs about Chris Jones of the Kansas City Chiefs. So be sure to stay tuned. A lot to get to still on Locked On NFL. But first, this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. And it's really important that, you know, you get the right potential hire. Because these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. And LinkedIn's helped me so much throughout the course of my life. And I know it's helped so many of the people I know as well. It's a great source for finding a job. And it's super easy to use and create a free job post. Over at LinkedIn Jobs, you add your job, that purple hashtag hiring frame to your profile to spread the word that you're hiring over on LinkedIn. They have simple tools you can use, like screening questions to make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience. So you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and who you would like to hire. And it's super important to also start the year strong. The right team member could really help you do that. They can jumpstart a business. It's why small businesses right LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the competitors. LinkedIn Jobs is to find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster, but it's your job free at LinkedIn.com slash LockdownNFL. But it's LinkedIn.com slash LockdownNFL to post your job for free. Certain conditions apply. 
We're back here, our second segment of Locked On NFL. Kevin Allstriker still here with you on this Monday. Thank you so much again for being here with us and making us your first listen each and every day here on Locked On NFL. We're not going to be getting into a conversation with Chris Clark of Locked On Chiefs about the latest on Chris Jones and his situation with the Chiefs. So let's get into that now. Well, there is a little bit of drama with the Kansas City Chiefs and Chris Jones right now. And here to talk about that with us is another Chris and Chris Clark, one of the hosts at Locked On Chiefs. And Chris, we know how important Chris Jones is to the Kansas City defense, one of the top interior defensive linemen, top defensive players, honestly, in the NFL. But the contract situation has been something that's been brewing for a little bit. Now we get this, that he's not there for the start of training camp. What's kind of the latest on Chris Jones right now and kind of what's your senses of the situation? Well, right now, he's, he's obviously not there. It's costing him $50,000 a day for every training camp practice he misses. So that's going to be something that'll be uh, something to watch as well. I, you know, I, I'm a little concerned about it, but we talked about it on, you know, on Monday's show for the podcast. You know, it's not really that big of a deal until you get to maybe week three. If, if this gets into week three, then you start to really wonder and get concerned about it because I still think that a deal is going to be done. Uh, it's just a question as to how much he's wanting and – Really, the bigger question is, is is it APY? Is it guaranteed money? Is it both? APY is easy to fix. Uh, guaranteed money is a little bit different. So something to watch there. Yeah, there are a bunch of different factors that could be contributing to it. But Chris, let's say it is a little of both, a little APY, a little guaranteed money. What would your price range be if, if you're handing out a contract to Chris Jones? What would you say the Chiefs should give him right now? I mean, there's an argument to be made that he could be worth Aaron Donald money. I, I mean, Aaron Donald is the best DT in the league, and Chris Jones outplayed him by a long shot last year. So uh, there's an argument to be made that he should be around that $30 million number. I don't think that's what he's asking for. I personally would think it should be maybe 26 27 uh, which gives him a lot more than what you know, Quinton Williams got and all the other DTs got, and it shows that he is on a tier of his own. Uh, Donald's contract, I think, is kind of hamstringing the the Rams right now, and they're going to be struggling with that contract for a couple more years. Yeah, and we know the Rams situation. They got their Super Bowl out of when they went all in, but now they're kind of dealing with some of the ramifications of those moves. But let's say this does go into like week three, week four. Who who steps up on that defensive line in Chris Jones's place? Well, that's the problem is you really don't have anybody that's going to be able to step up. I mean, you know, you had. Uh, a kid from KU step in and take the reps today in Wise. Um, and he hasn't really had that much, much playing time, if any, in the NFL. Uh, you know, you drafted Keandre Coburn, but that's not the same type of defensive tackle that you have in Chris Jones. Keandre Coburn's more going to be a nose-type tackle uh, and really going to be a replacement for Derek Naughty. Uh, you know, you look at Tershawn Morton, who's on the roster, uh, but he's on the pup list right now because he's coming back from the ACL surgery. He would kind of fit in that role a little bit better. Maybe they can move Charles and Minihue over there if the if one of the other DEs steps up. But there's big question marks at that DT position. They have to have Chris Jones there, and I still think this gets done. I don't think it gets to a point where it's going. He's going to miss regular season time. Yeah, ho- hopefully that is the case for Kansas City. But let's move over to offense, Chris. Where the Chiefs they acquired Kadarius Tony in the middle of the year last year, huge potential guy, but the injuries have obviously played a part in his career so far. Ends up tweaking his knee during the practice, and that was one of the bigger storylines, obviously, alongside of Chris Jones. 
What's the latest on Tony's status right now? Is it something serious or is it just a minor thing that'll maybe keep him out for a few days and that's it? It sounds like it's more precautionary than anything else. Uh, I mean, it's also possible he hasn't adjusted to the heat. Uh, there's lots of different things. And, and when you start talking about hydration and, and getting into the Missouri heat and dealing with the humidity and all of that, uh, to me, it's just a question of, you know, is he re- going to be ready to go for the start of the season? It is concerning because this happened in a, you know, catching punts drill. <laughs> it wasn't even a regular snap. It wasn't him running around or anything. Uh, and the other part of it that's interesting is it's his knee. It's not a hamstring, which is usually what he strains. So that's a good sign in a way, but it does sound like it's just a tweak and they're being precautionary with it and not going to you know risk anything at this point, which is the way it should be done. But it's still aggravating that somebody with that much potential before he even gets an actual snap in training camp is already done, is already done for the day. Yeah, that, that, that is tough. And I know, especially with how the injuries, you mentioned the hamstring stuff with him, it's been a huge part of his career. But, you know, let's say Tony does have to miss a couple of regular season games. We've talked about how the Chiefs have lost Juju Smith-Schuster, him now being in New England. They're putting a lot of trust, it seems, in Gadarius Tony. DeAndre Hopkins is now in Tennessee. Who kind of steps up if Tony has to miss some time in that room? Uh, I mean, you got to look at the next man up, which is probably going to be, you know, Sky Moore, Richie James, those types of guys. Uh, you're not really going to be looking at, you know, MBS is, is mainly an extra type of wide receiver. He's not going to step into that role. It's it's not something that fits the skill set. So you're going to be looking at guys that can really step in and be that type of receiver, which, like I said, is going to be a guy like Richie James, who looked good at times during camp today. So, I mean, that's a plus for him. And then gives Kansas City another look at him. Uh, Sky Moore is also going to be a guy. It's not going to be the same as having Tony out there, but nobody is going to be Tony out there. But he can do some of the same things and can kind of give you some of the same looks that Tony can at times. So I think it's going to be those two guys. And then, you know, the big question is, is if they think Tony's going to be injured, do they maybe have to feel like they keep seven? Uh, and who's that seventh guy going to be? Yeah, that, that it's a big question. I know something that we've talked about when we've been talking this entire offseason, Chris, has been where where do you kind of view Kadarius Tony now that we're to trading camp? Do you view him as someone who has that like elite wide receiver one potential? Is he a wide receiver two to you? Where where is his potential scale based off of what you've seen and what you expect from him? The key with him is can he stay healthy? If he can stay healthy, I think he's a 1,200-yard receiver and uh, you know maybe six to eight touchdowns, maybe even more depending on if they get him open on some deeper stuff. Uh, he When he has the ball in his hands, he's electric. He can change motion. His agility is fantastic. Uh, so there's lots of different things they can do with him, and he's going to open up things up for other guys as well. But the question is, is he going to stay healthy? Is he going to play? If he plays 17 games, I don't think he has any problem getting over 1,000 yards and and you know six to eight touchdowns and maybe even more touchdowns yeah he's he's gonna be a big part of the chiefs offense if he's healthy for sure but let's talk a bit about matt nagy here chris obviously a second go around with kansas city in the offensive coordinator role eric Bieniemy going to washington to uh get those calling duties over there what, what are you expecting from the matt nagy offense and, and how different do you think it's going to be from what eric Bieniemy has and how much of an influence do you think andy Reid's going to have over the whole operation too well, I think Andy Reid's still going to be the guy that's going to be influencing the offense. Although, you know, if you watch the quarterback series on Netflix, they also let some of the players come in. They let, you know, Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and some of the wide receivers come up with plays and, and decide, you know, is this play something that we can think we can do and we can, you know, be successful with. And I think Nagy's going to have a role. I think that his relationship with Mahomes, especially since he helped get him drafted to Kansas City, 
Uh, I think that's going to be something special to watch. So I think that's going to be one of the big parts of it. I, you know, he's the offensive coordinator. Uh, and I'm sure he's going to have a role and he's going to have, you know, his, his duties and his job, but I don't think it's going to be the same as, you know, an Eric B enemy in uh, Washington, who's actually doing just about everything on offense. I think that Nagy is going to continue to not be playing, calling the plays. I think that's going to be Andy Reed. I think Andy Reed's probably going to be designing the playbook most of the time. Nagy will have some input. Um, Mahomes will have some input. But I think those three guys worked well together already, and I'm just looking forward to you know the continuity there for a couple of years, I hope. A huge shout-out to Chris for joining the show, talking Chris Jones. Uh, Chris on Chris stuff right there. Chris Clark talking about Chris Jones. For more on Chris's work, be sure to check out the Locked on Chiefs podcast. For the Locked on Podcast Network here, your team every day coming up in our final part of the show i'll be taking you through the ravens recent moves melvin gordon calvin the etc so don't go anywhere still lots to talk about on lockdown nfl we're back here our final segment of locked on nfl monday edition kevin ostriker of course still here with you and since i'm the host of locked on ravens I, of course, will be taking you through the Ravens' recent moves. And it wasn't really how I expected my Friday to go. Obviously, I recorded the Friday NFL show with Lauren, and that was great. If you, again, haven't checked that out, highly recommend you go back and listen to Friday's Locked On NFL. But then the Ravens, right as Lauren and I were about to record, the Ravens signed Melvin Gordon. It was announced they signed Melvin Gordon. I was like, okay, or was not expecting this on this Friday. And then, like, maybe 10 or 15 minutes after that, maybe it was 30, it was reported that the Ravens were also visiting with Kyle Van Noy, the linebacker. So it was a busy Friday for the Ravens. And in terms of signing Melvin Gordon, you know, it's it's a move that I'm not super excited about. Now, if you were talking like college, Wisconsin, Melvin Gordon, that, that was my guy. Melvin Gordon was absolutely 100% my guy in that draft. Because that was the Todd Gurley draft, right? It was Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon. Those were the guys in that draft that I loved. And obviously Gurley had a great career, but the injuries slowed him down. Melvin Gordon's also dealt with injuries and also some fumbling issues too. Actually, in ter- I, st- I went on StatMuse and I didn't know. StatMuse actually, you have to pay like 20 bucks a month to get like all the stats there. But based off what I could piece together, non-quarterbacks, we'll take out all the quarterbacks. Since 2015, Melvin Gordon has the most fumbles in the NFL I believe that number is 26, 26 fumbles since 2015. That leads all non-quarterbacks. Now, John Harbaugh goes crazy for mistakes like that. Not in a good way. He, he's someone who John Harbaugh has a doghouse that is very well known here in Baltimore. He's had that over the years as his tenure as that coach of the team. It's not easy to get out of there. And usually it doesn't take too much to get you in it. So this is a move that with the Ravens already having J.K. Dobbins, already having Gus Edwards, you know, I'm... I don't really think this means too much. Now, another move the Ravens made on Friday was they placed seven players on different injury lists, five guys on the PUP list. They placed Rashad Bateman on the the did not report list. Now that actually on Sunday, yesterday, the Ravens actually took him off of that list, Rashad Bateman. So luckily it seems like everything is okay in that regard. And I will see how the injury plays out. They had the the Liz Frank, the screws, well, the foot injury where the screws were in. Now they're out. That was some pain, got the cortisone shot. But Dobbins was placed on the PUP list, physical, the physically unable to perform list. That is, you know, coming off of the knee injury in 2021, wasn't just the ACL, you know, opened up about it, how it was multiple ligaments in that knee. Very tough for him to come back from. Had to have the cleanup surgery in the middle of the 2022 season. There was a lot with J.K. Dobbins that, you know, kind of it gives you a little bit of caution because you want the need to be 100%. You want him to feel comfortable and confident on the knee. 
And there's also the situation of, of the potential hold-in that J.K. Dobbins is undergoing right now, where apparently he is there, he is reported, but is he going to actually go on the field or is it going to be another hold-in situation, or at least presumed, where during minicamp, presumably he was not happy about his contract situation and he held in during training camp. I think the Ravens kind of put out messaging that it was an injury, but we'll, we'll kind of see what the participation is. Dobbins obviously on the PUP list now, so we'll see what his timeline is, but I think people are somewhat concerned about Dobbins. I'm not there yet. To me, it's more of a, if he's not ready to go back in training camp, full, full go by like the second preseason game, I don't expect Dobbins or a lot of the Ravens starters to even play in the preseason games. Honestly, I think after, after what happened with Dobbins in that final game a couple of years ago in the preseason against Washington, they're not playing with fire like that anymore. So we'll see what happens with Dobbins, but Gordon, is probably just a camp body. Maybe he makes it as the fourth running back if they keep four. Maybe he's a practice squad guy. Maybe that's what it is. Then the visit of Calvin Noy. This move I would like a lot more than Mo- like I give Melvin Gordon's move like a C C minus. I- I'd give Calvin Noy probably an A. That that move would be incredible for the Ravens. Now they were reportedly going to visit with Dewan Smoot, the the Jacksonville edge guy, but he actually went back to Jacksonville on Friday morning. So everybody was expecting, oh, the Ravens will probably sign Dewan Smoot. And then he goes back to Jacksonville, kind of like a 180 twist. Well, for Kyle Van Noy, it's funny. Both DeWan Smoot and Kyle Van Noy have the exact same number of sacks through the last four seasons, 22 and a half. Now, Van Noy has versatility, can play both inside and outside. And that's big. Now, not, not that the Ravens need inside linebacker depth. They have Roquan Smith, they have Patrick Queen. But at this point, they need edge guys. They, they need sack production. They've lost about 18 sacks from last year's team. Justin Houston, Clayus Campbell, Jason Pierre-Paul. Now, when I say inside and outside, I don't mean inside defensive, like not an interior defensive lineman. Dewan Smoot could have been that. Dewan Smoot was in, inside, outside in terms of being an interior defensive lineman and an edge rusher. Calvin Noyes inside, outside based off what I just said, inside linebacker and outside linebacker. Van Noyes, a very smart football player, holds up a little better against the run at this point than a Dewan Smoot would have. And the thing with Justin Houston, who, you know, he's loved in Baltimore, his teammates love him, a great leader is the fact that he's obviously getting way up there in age. Kyle Van Noy is not young. He's 32 years old. But you don't, I think, have to worry as much about managing Kyle Van Noy snaps as you would with a Justin Houston at that point in his career where are you worried about playing him on, you know, consecutive series? Is there a worry in Baltimore that you have to keep him kind of fresh until December and then you can really have him go all out? Kyle Van Noy, I think, would give them a versatile a very I'd say solid option there you're not as worried about not not even injury wise but just slowing down we saw Justin Houston had an incentive for 10 million dollar or 10 sacks he get about a million about a million dollars if he were to get to 10 sacks had nine sacks in the first part of the season before the bye and then just fell off a cliff at 0.5 sacks the second part of the season and you know that that that's what that was. So I think Baltimore, if if this ends up being the guy that they sign, if Houston comes back, I wouldn't hate that at all. I, I like Justin Houston. Other guys out there include Jadavian Clowney, Yannick Ngakwe. There's still an abundance of edge guys who could help the Ravens right now, but they just don't have a lot of proven depth behind Adafe Owe, David Ajabo, and Tyus Bowser. And Adafe Owe and David Ajabo are not proven. Tyus Bowser is the only proven guy, and he's not a go out there and get you 10 sacks type of player. So th- there's a lot to think about with this Ravens edge room. To me, it's the biggest weakness on the team right now. Signing Kyle Van Noy 
it'd be huge for them. So I hopefully that is the move that they make. We'll see how it all develops though over the course of the next, who knows, maybe by the time you're listening to this, the Ravens already signed them. So we'll see what happens. That's all I have for you here today on Locked On NFL. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Let me get back here tomorrow. More NFL content from your Tuesday host. So be sure to stay tuned for that. We'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked On NFL.